Hi, this is Frank Schaefer. I have had the pleasure of talking to some of the leading authors, artists, activists, and change makers of our time on this podcast. And I want to personally thank you for subscribing, listening, and sharing 100 plus episodes over 100,000 times. We have a lot of work to do to heal our divisions and secure our democracy. And I look forward to more conversations with those important voices that will bring clarity to the situation we find ourselves in as we move toward November of 2024. If you appreciate these conversations and my cultural and political commentary, please subscribe to this podcast in conversation with Frank Schaefer on your favorite platform and to my substack, It Has to Be Said, which can be found at frankschaefer.substack.com. I'd really appreciate the help. Thank you. I shouldn't yeah. be meeting people at work who's been there for 20 years and telling me they hate their job. That should not be happening. Yeah. <laughs> like we failed them and we failed ourselves. We've just been wasting everybody's life. Yeah. How sad. Hi, this is Frank Schaefer, and you are watching and or listening to my podcast In Conversation with Frank Schaefer. It is a live event on Facebook first, then recorded, and then goes to YouTube and Facebook again, and to all the places podcasts are delivered. I remind you that if you listen to our podcast and you like it, then please like it in the interweb sense of liking it so that other people know about it. Uh, today, we are talking with a friend of a friend, I think. Uh, Joyce, you were introduced to us by our friend Mim. Is that correct? Yes, you're very correct. I always ask Ernie um, how we have found the person we are interviewing. I book about <laughs> half the guests after I meet them in some other venue online or whatever. And yeah. Ernie books people, but I always like to, to know how they come. And then, and then Mim uh, was introduced to us by an, uh, a group of people called the Women's Business Collaborative run by Edie Fraser out of Washington. So I don't know if you've ever heard of those guys, but it's one degree of separation if you haven't, because... Mim is Mim was brought to us by them. And now we just did another one with Mim last week, a couple of days ago, where she had her collaborator in her caring company that she works with and a writer that she brought in a psychologist. So the, the ripples on this pond keep going out. And now, <laughs> now you and me are today's ripple. Okay. Well, that's so good to know. Excellent. So, so Joyce, um, let me let me introduce you correctly and forgive me for from reading from the screen here, but I, I get things wrong. So uh, Joyce, and I just got your name right. How do you say your last name again? Odid Odidison. Odidison. Okay. President and CEO of Interpersonal Wellness Services, Inc. And Joyce is the author of many books on wellness. The latest is Interpersonal Wellness System, a nine-dimensional wellness approach. Did I screw any of that up? No, that sounds good. All right. Okay. Uh, first of all, where are you sitting right now? Where are you? I'm actually in Winnipeg, Central Canada. We are, so Winnipeg is uh, in Manitoba, in sure. Central Canada, part of the prairies. Yeah. And is this where you live or are you there? That's where I live. That's all where right. I've been. And you're, uh, and you're Canadian? I am Canadian. Yes, I am okay. very much Canadian. If you look at my passport, it says Canadian citizen. <laughs> we have interviewed other Canadians. We don't ban Canadians from this program. So you are welcome. I just check though, because sometimes someone's, you know, the other day we had someone on and they said, I said, where are you? And she said, I'm in Kansas or Kansas City, but I'm from New York. You know, you can never tell because, we, you know, even even with COVID still around, we all travel sometimes. Yes, we do. Very well, yeah. So let, let me start um, th with this whole issue of wellness. But before we get into the sort of things that people talk about on podcasts with authors and the material that you write about, let me uh, start by saying, you know, something that always interests me because I'm a writer and I use a lot of material from my past uh, biographical stuff, even in my works of fiction. I always want to know who who the person is, not in the profession sense. Oh, what do you do? I'm a fill in the blank. But who are you as in who was your mom? Where do you come from? What is your background? Were you raised religious? Are you still of the same faith that you were raised in? Have you traveled to a different place the way I have? Who influenced you? Where, you know, what matters to you? And I'll give you a thumbnail of mine so that I can show you 
what I'm talking about. Um, I got my wife, Jeannie, who I've been with for 52 years pregnant when I was 17 and she was 18. We've been together ever since. Uh, we have three grown children and we have been doing full-time childcare for our three oldest grandchildren. When I'm done this podcast today, I'll have an hour break and then I'm picking Nora who's just turned nine up at school as I do every single day of the week. I have a snack already cooked for her. Uh, she will come home. And by the way, it's a nice piece of uh, haddock fish with some, oh. some, some fried uh, mashed potato, potato cakes. Cooking is my hobby and passion. Oh. And so if you say, who are you, Frank Schaefer? You can say, okay, he's an author, but who I really am is the guy who's going to pick up Nora. That's what I'm talking about. Oh. So who are you? I love that. I love that. I'm envious of your granddaughter. <laughs> yes. Well, you can always come by. I mean, you're a long way yeah. away, but I'll cook for you if you're in my neighborhood. What a pleasure. What a what a beautiful thing. And and family is so, so important to me. Um, I was actually raised um, originally, my, my ancestry. Uh, I grew up in the Caribbean. Uh, we are uh, from, of course, African ancestry, uh, most of the Caribbean uh, is, and I grew up in the beautiful little island of Dominica mm. uh, in the Eastern Caribbean Sea. And when I, I came to Canada at 19 for university and settled here, uh, so been living here most of my life, met my husband at university. We have two adult children. They're not even married. <laughs> okay. One is dating though, so Anyway, it's a whole other story. I grew up as a Christian. I'm a Christian, Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Um, so we're Sabbath keepers. So people are like, who? And I was like, well, we kind of like the Jews, but we're the Christian version. Yes, <laughs> and sure. so, and uh, I've been, I think, a fourth or fifth generation Seventh-day Adventist. And we have a big family. My, my mom was the first of 11 children. Mm. So my grandma had... 11 children and my mom was the eldest and then my mom started having us young so we yes. actually grew up with our grandma and our aunt and uncles who were very close in age like mm. my youngest uncle is a year older than me so we don't say auntie and uncle we I just call them by name because they're more sure. like siblings and most of them are settled in the Florida uh um Atlanta and um I haven't been to see them since COVID. So I was saying to my husband, I feel a bit nostalgic. I need to go visit my family. I, I just need to see them. And, uh, and, and that's so important to me because family, my husband is from, a, is from Nigeria. And so he also has a big family. He has five uh, siblings who settled here in Manitoba. And I've always been the one to embrace them and, you know, host the Christmas dinner, the Thanksgiving, mm. the Easter. I love to cook like you. So um, everybody knows Auntie Joyce is cooking something. Um, I've had to do a lot of uh, uh, cooking challenges with my health. So I've also uh, been gluten-free, dairy-free. So I'm always making new and interesting recipes. I like food to taste good, even though I take certain things out. So that's who I am. And uh, I, I run my business here in, in Manitoba, um, what will I go home to do today? Hmm, I think I'm making soup today. So I am making a sweet potato uh, and yellow split pea soup. And I put it in the slow cooker, uh, in the slow cooker. And I actually have, I added some dried portobello mushrooms to it. So I told my husband to turn it off at 3 p.m. And when I come home, I will do the puree. And I'm so looking forward to that. So that's my dinner tonight. I love that. So we, we we can. It doesn't matter how we pronounce your last name because we know we now know your auntie Joyce. <laughs> so like that's the handle. That's it. And I suggest your next book. You you know I, I'd buy a book by Auntie Joyce on wellness faster than and you know in a heartbeat because it's like hey it's Auntie Joyce she must know something. <laughs> Absolutely, you just gave me the name for my next book. <laughs> I think so. Why not go for it? So let me, uh, let's get in through this background to the, the wellness thing a little bit. Now, it, it, you, you were talking about health stuff, you're, and I'm presuming you have some health issues yourself. Uh, Most of are, us are, yeah, we get so there talk, by Talk that. about those, talk about the health issues a little bit. You know what? I was born with only one kidney fully functioning. Mm. So apparently one of my urethra wasn't fully developed, so 
all the waste from my little body went into this sack of fluid and it started leaking into my system. And nobody knew until I was 18, 19. And then finally it was, I remember the urologist saying to me at 21, when he, when I had it out, he said, it was just a big sack of fluid. And he said, if someone had punched you, it would have just ruptured and would have killed you. And I was like, well, I'm meant to be here. So this is why I'm here. So, but I had lots of, uh, health challenges with diet, uh, my diet. I've always had digestive issues from a little kid. Mm. I remember standing in line and we were all in line and, and, you know, in the Caribbean, we line up in the sunshine and all my classmates were there. And, and this is me and my tummy was over here um, because I, I could not tolerate cocoa, uh, caffeine. We didn't know about allergies. My parents were not very familiar with uh, stuff like that. And I remember we would, there was a certain um, beverage they make for us in the morning, a hot, because we grew everything naturally. We had our own cocoa beans and they would harvest the cocoa bean and grate it and make this beautiful cocoa tea with coconut milk. Oh, <laughs> and, and it would be sweetened with cane sugar. And I loved it. But on my way to school, I would be vomiting. <laughs> it yes. was but nobody ever thought, but that's unusual. Why is Joyce having this reaction? And, and that has been, I, 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 my parents would make rice for the rest of my siblings and I had to eat plantain or yams. I could not tolerate rice. So Mm. we didn't really know. And so as I grew older, I become more aware of understanding uh, food intolerances and how my body was responding to certain things. And so I've just been, I've lived my life. uh, I've, I love the work that I do and I want to be able to work, wake up in the morning feeling mm. energetic and with a clear mind and being able to provide support for my clients. And so I've been very, very determined and deliberate in eliminating certain foods from my diet so that I can function the way I want to because I didn't choose to go the medicated way, wanting to, of course, give my kid my one kidney as much um yes. longevity and health as as possible so that was that's a big part of my life yeah and that's and a, my that's lifestyle a, that's a very reasonable path into wellness because it's you know as they the old thing hey it's not personal it's just business with you it's the other way around it's not business this is personal mm-hmm. that's your your path in let me ask you a question I, I, I along the same line um with your first pregnancy, uh, how far down the path were you of understanding your own body better? And was that a troubled pregnancy or had you already sorted out some of these issues before that happened? It was a very troubled pregnancy. I was in the hospital every two weeks. I would go in for two weeks, come out for a few days. We all, I almost died. We, we didn't know all what was going on. It wasn't until actually I had my daughter that we found out that uh, all of this was happening and yeah. um, was able to have my kidney removed. Uh, and um, so my second pregnancy was a lot less stressful. And my children are eight and a half years apart. Um, and we decided we were very deliberate and cautious. And we thought, okay, we would see if this was going to be a healthy pregnancy and if mm-hmm. my kidney could um, sustain it. So actually I was able to, my second pregnancy was a lot healthier than the first because, yes. you know, just like everything else, you don't know what you're going to know, but we were able to make better decisions and, and choices uh, with the second. Did your children, um, you know, in terms of your condition, did that spark anything with them in terms of their own health issues or, or were they born uh, pretty healthy? Uh, have they remained so? Or, or how Oh, miracle happen? of miracles. My children are both perfectly healthy, thank God. Yeah. And uh, I remember when my daughter was born, I was looking to see everything because we had, I had to be on antibiotics when I was pregnant for her. And because uh, of the frequent kidney infections and um, the, 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 the the edema, the swelling was just terrible. And uh, we really thought something would be wrong with her, but she was very small. She was born like about five pounds. Yeah. Uh, but she was, she, from the day she born, she was, she, she was, was kicking fine. and she's been a go-getter. She's a beautiful 36 year old woman in her life and her career and, and uh, healthy. I think the only thing my children have is 
they do have some intolerances with food. So they have to pay attention to that. Yeah. And it's part of our lifestyle. So I, they both cook. They're both great cooks. Um, I made sure that they learned that, but I made, I've always made food a joy and an exciting thing and being in the yeah. kitchen cooking with mom has always been, uh, something fun. And, um, I remember when my daughter was 23 and she was moving to England, she's like, mom, there are certain foods I still don't know how to make. So I need you to show me how to make them before I move out. Um, you know, my son is 27. He cooks, uh, all his, uh, you know, they, they're both very good cook. I actually eat their food. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so they, they know how to take care of themselves. And that's something that they know when we have those conversations. Are you taking your supplements? Are you making sure you hydrate? Those are those are foundational things. And um, and they know I will I will challenge them on that. So it's always been so I'm very blessed that way. We have well, it, it would seem to me that given your background and your own struggles, that you are able to bring some of that to the table, both in your writing and also in the advice you give people, I, I would think that puts you in a much stronger position to help people and give them advice than, it, than if everything had been easy for you because you come at this through your own struggles. My guess is you're able to draw on some of that in the advice you give other people. Hi, this is Frank Schaefer. If you appreciate my cultural and political commentary, please do me a favor and subscribe to my Substack, It Has to Be Said, which can be found at frankschafer.substack.com. You can subscribe for free, or you can kick in a couple of dollars a month and help me out and help me keep this going if you're able. Either way, I'm incredibly grateful for your support, and most of all, for your participation. We have a lot of work to do to heal our divisions and secure our democracy as we move toward November of 2024. And every subscription helps create, build, sustain, and put voice to this movement for truth. Thank you so much. I think my work, my, my health, and my, even my childhood, because I was of four children, I was a sickly one. I was always hospitalized yes. every other month. They would rush me to the hospital. Something was wrong. Nobody knew what. There was always some mysterious pain or ache or something. And nobody really actually knew what was what was going on. Yeah. Uh, and so I think I've become wiser uh, about health and wellness, about autoimmune diseases, about. But that is not even the aspect of my wellness. And so mm -hmm. it's interesting, though, because my work, I'm a conflict analyst. And in my work, working with individuals who were in very stressful conflict, I started to see they were having symptoms. They were telling me their blood pressure was elevated. Their blood sure. sugar was skyrocketed. A client had a heart attack in my office. Um, I was having young clients who were having strokes because of things. People were attempting suicide. I was like, this is crazy. So I started, and, and this is how it came about. I started actually looking at a way to explain to my corporations who were sponsoring the employees to work with me, as well as to the employees and, and clients, that our whole life is interconnected and everything we do have a wellness quotient to it mm -hmm. that will impact our whole well-being. And I think that came from an unknowing that I had because I've had to cut out certain people from my life or put them in certain boundaries around certain relationships uh, you know, look at where I go, what I attend, my sleep. So I've always been, I, through my life journey, I've, cre I've been able to develop a sense of knowing about that whole system of wellness. Hmm. And that's what I was able to create is a nine-dimensional system of wellness that shows people that wellness is, a so is spiritual, it's social, it's emotional, it, there's occupational, intellectual, environmental, financial, physical, and the interpersonal. Because I've come to realize it doesn't matter how I felt, if I had a pain, if I was happy, it all impacted my family. I would be grumpy, I would have pain, and I wouldn't tell them why. Oh, I would, and I started to notice those things even in my own life. And started to recognize and help clients to identify 
Uh, so they come to me, they've been bullied or they are bullying people or, or they're, they're the harasser or they're in a conflict. And I've been able to help them and guide them to see how certain things that are happening in their lives, be their private lives or their work lives or social lives are impacting their interpersonal dynamics at work and how they show up at work and how they interact and how they build relationships and maintain them at work and was actually impacting their career choices, um, their limitations, where they're stuck. And through this wellness improvement system model, I was able to develop a way for people to assess how well they're doing on these nine dimensions Hmm. and uh, build what I call wellness competencies that they could start to measure and improve through coaching Mm -hmm. and support and feedback to transform their lives, a a more holistic, a true holistic system of Mm -hmm. well-being. Let me jump in here and reintroduce you and remind people that you are watching We're listening to a podcast with Frank Schaefer called In Conversation with Frank Schaefer. My guest today is an author of a book uh, on wellness, and her name is Joyce, Auntie Joyce, or Joyce Odidison, and she's president and CEO of Interpersonal Wellness Services, Inc. And by the way, Joyce, we will be putting up links to everything of yours here. So anyone who wants to get in touch with you, we are encouraging you to get in touch with Joyce and to take advantage of, of what she is offering um, the book, uh, Interpersonal Wellness System, A Nine-Dimensional Wellness Approach. Let me dig into that a little bit specifically. I don't know. Do you have a copy of the book there? I do. Somewhere hanging around? I do. I'm going to just, I thought I had one on this desk, but I think I might have one over here. Let me go back here. Good, because I want you to haul it out and take us through I it. I am hauling it out. Good. <laughs> And now we I know you're... you never had a, um, a, a, a guest who, who left the show to go get the tools. Hey, I have to leave my own podcast sometimes to find stuff. More than that, I've got to leave it sometimes to pick my dog up and put him on my lap. So, you know, we're very informal here. Good, but good. First of all, just hold, hold the book up for me a second. Let me take a look at it. Oh, it's a kind of a workbook size. That's great. This is the workbook. Yeah. Um, this is what most people actually work through to understand the interpersonal wellness system. And it gives them the, the opportunity to work through with a coaching toolkit, but this is the assessment. This is how they assess how well they're doing in, in this piece. So they get to assess how well they're doing in these dimensions. And I'll just share, actually the model picture is at the back here. That's- But you know, you know what I'd like you to do is to just give me a thumbnail on the nine, uh, on these nine dimensional uh, interpersonal, you know, th- th- this thing, whatever you're calling it. Well, let me talk this about- This the... approach. Take, take me through it as if you're gonna give me a little talk here and tell me, give me a thumbnail sketches. If I'm the publisher considering on, uh, you know, what's this book about? let's let's hear it there are um there is of course the textbook that sits behind that but that's more the theory and i use that for teaching because we have a coach training program and we have also a facilitator program that we teach people on how to take this into cooperation but for this model what we do is we look at it as everyone having a spiritual element to their life And so for the spiritual, we look at integrity as the competency, meaning that if you're not living in integrity with your values, with your purpose, you're not trustworthy, you can't trust yourself, you're going to have issues in your professional and personal life. And so some of the things we look in there is helping people to identify their core values, um, building a trusting, uh, you know, brand for yourself i being that person of integrity right integrity means being able uh to trust but it's also being able to be a live in integrity with your values with your purpose with your uh your um, your ambition what you've been called to do so we really get people and in there we we, we actually get people to talk about their self-esteem so in each model, each, in each dimension of the model, 
we actually highlight some key life areas that our clients get to assess. So for instance, when you come in to look at the spiritual wellness, we're going to introduce you to self-esteem, personal style. All of us have done those self-assessment, strength assessment. We've done those assessment on, do you have good leadership skills? On the Myers-Briggs, where you are, JN, what have you. And so this is what, but all of those are connected as part of our spiritual self. Those are those, that's the unseen, untouchable part of us that you can just go. I can't just go and pick your self-esteem or see it or touch it. Those are, those are all living in that spirit realm of who we are. And we spend so little time developing that. We, we, you know, when I first created this model, Frank, I was terrified to take it to the corporation. I was like, oh, they're going to take this crazy little black woman wants to bring spiritual wellness into their workplace. <laughs> I was struggled with that. But you know, at the end, this is where we do most of our work. Mm. This is where organizations struggle most to with retention, with professionalism, with helping people to succeed and to stay engaged at work because people are coming to work empty. Most Can I ask you a think- question on this? And then I want to get back to what you're saying. So we'll go back to the spiritual aspect because I love this. Because you come from a religious background, I came from an evangelical fundamentalist background, which I left. But um, in, in when I talk about spirituality, even if I secularize the term and make it more about what you're talking about, thinking of taking this to the corporate level, there's always a little bell in my head going off where my mother's saying, you know, and I'm being a little facetious here, but I hear a little voice, my mom who passed away at age 98, uh, about seven years ago, eight years ago, but you know, there's a little voice saying, you know, but Frank, if you were really going to talk about spirituality, of course, you would need to lead these people to Christ because everything else is sort of secondary to that. And I'm asking you on a very personal off the record thing, like we're just meeting here talking as old friends. Obviously, you cannot go to the corp on to the corporate level and say what I'm really trying to do here is lead you all to Christ because they're not going to hire you. And that's not what you're doing. But your own spirituality didn't start in a vacuum. It was informed by a Seventh-day Adventist background. And so how do you balance your deeply personal spirituality rooted into a religion, which you then have to, in a way, edit as you take it out, but still keep who you are without feeling hypocritical as, or as if you were not really being truthful about yourself because you come from a different place? You know what? I've had to take religion and look at it for what it really is, an institution. Right. And uh, I've had to say, okay, this is, religion is an institution. And if you follow religion, you could actually lose your soul because that's what religion does. Uh, It actually absorbs the soul. So I've had to be, uh, I had to step back and look at religion more from a skeptical perspective. Mm, mm. And, you know, Karl Marx said religion is the opium of the masses. And really look at what religion is. It's, it's an institution that was used to manage and to uh, get people's mind and to bring them into a certain piece. We're not eliminating religion from spiritual wellness. It is just one element. There are a lot of people who are very religious and they're not spiritually well, right? Yes, yes. And so I've had to look at them separately and say religion is only one element of spiritual wellness. And that's how I say to my corporation when they say, well, you know, because right now we're working on a project with um, um, Miami University that's funded by the state of Ohio. And our, our task is to create wellness programs for up to 75 schools that's funded by the state. And this is a pilot project that they're hoping to roll out throughout the state. And when we, uh, they, they were attracted to us because of our model and the comprehensiveness of it. And so they were a little nervous about it. And I said, we are running away from the truth. The truth is that some people, their spiritual wellness comes from religion. 
but that is not the entirety of it. We're throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Sure. We're so scared of religion at work that we're throwing away spiritual wellness, which is actually where you're spending most of your money. Because mm -hmm. most of the issues we have with mental health, with burnout, with work-life balance, all of that is going to be driven by the integrity of that person, the spiritual well-being, their purpose, their vision, their values, their self-esteem, their sense of self-worth, their sense of purpose right? Mm. Their ability, their belief system, all of that is going to drive who they are and who you hire. When we hire and we interview someone, we want to know what is, are they a good fit? Well, the fit is going to be driven by their spiritual well-being. Yeah. And we, we run away from it. And my goal and my passion is to make this more mainstream for organizations because, you know, when you sit in HR and you're hiring, you, there are all these things you can talk about now. We have all these rules about the thing. But really what you want to know, what's the essence of this person? And yes. can they come in and do they have the flexibility of personality? Do they have a good sense of who they are? And can they be flexible and can they engage and be in, work in an interdependent environment and share and lead and grow and make our organizations thrive? Yeah, That's and if spirituality is off the table, you're never going to be able to find out who they really are. Exactly. I mean, the, all these things you're not allowed to ask. Uh, in the end, add up to, okay, well, we're never going to be able to know the person we hire. So that's a problem. How do you break through that? And that's where we bring integrity as our competency. Yeah. And what we're training organizations and HR to do is to start adding these wellness competencies into their profile, into uh, employment, into that performance review. Start talking about what professional integrity uh, personal integrity, where does personal integrity comes from? It comes from my belief system. It comes from my core values. It comes because we're all going to define that the same. And because we have such a diverse society now, and it's a global village, we're so interconnected and intertwined. There's never been a more important time for us to develop spiritual well-being because it is the core, it is the foundation for every other dimension of well-being and if we're, yeah. we're avoiding developing that one we're just dealing with the symptoms of that in everything else we do in our organizations so i want to get to the next point in the book but before i do i want to interject something on that i think there's a parallel here that i've written about um, and in fact i use my daughter as an example uh, she's a ceo of a company in new york city and she's was talking about before uh, covid um, that she would be working for all these high-powered, you know, white males who run everything down there. Uh, and she's obviously a woman. Um, and that one of the problems was, is that you were never allowed to actually find out anything about them. And it was as if they kept their family, who they loved, what they really cared about, completely hidden. To, in order to be professional, you had to pretend as if you didn't have a life. And of course, women are kind of dragooned into that. You know, you're not allowed to ask about family relationships. Are you married? Do you have kids? She said one of the reliefs with COVID and doing Zoom calls, she said in particular, uh, one instance that I actually quote in, in a book that I've written called Fall in Love, Have Children Stay Put, Save the Planet, Be Happy, about putting family relationships and who we are as people ahead of career. And that actually makes everything work better because it's in line with what you're talking about, um, spiritual value. But she was saying this bank president that she often worked with on financial deals one day on a Zoom call said, I've got to speak very quietly because my, I just put my toddler down, my, my two-year-old for a nap, and I can't wake her up. Well, she said that was the first personal revelation she ever had of this man, that he even had a life. And, and she was talking about, and other women I've interviewed have talked about this fact, that in order to get ahead in the world of business, when it's configured in that way, you never mention your family. You don't say, look, I've got to leave the office early because I've got to do a school pickup or I'm taking care of my old mother. I've got to, she has dementia. I'm sorry, I've got to take the afternoon off. I know. This is all regarded as unprofessional because you can't have a personal life. And I think this ties in with your point of you can't, you know, if you're not going to talk about spirituality, this is the same thing as, hey, we're not going to talk about who we love or the fact that my mom died last week and I need a week off to help my dad now. 
Talk about that a minute. Let's just take a little sidetrack on here because I'm, I'm sure you have some views on this. I think it's it's that whole person perspective that we've uh, we had come away. And I actually, as as much as we suffered through the COVID, uh, the, the whole pandemic, I yeah. think it was the great equalizer. That's what I call it. Yes. It was the great equalizer. It woke us up to recognize that we are whole persons and we need to bring that whole person perspective to the people we hire at work, to mm. the people we work with and into organizations. That's why we're facing the mass resignation. People yes. don't want to go back to that sterile, um, antiquated way of working. People want to be humans. They want to be able to have for work to merge with their, their lifestyle. They and that includes be- men, by the way. Absolutely. I mean, we're not just talking women here. No, people. I said people. people. I know. <laughs> humans. We want to be seen for who we are. We want to be great. Men want to be great fathers and great husbands. They want to be. One of the programs that I run um, is every year I run the Global Workplace Wellness Summit. Hmm. Uh, we uh, Through the pandemic, we ran it as three and four day event, but we're going back to live in person. So it's going to be in Winnipeg, in our city this year. And last year uh, we had a virtual and we had a speaker from Israel and she was talking about the program that they were doing in Israel with the males and giving them permission to um, take time off, encouraging them to take paternal leave and to take time off and to be with their family and to be good fathers and and sing the, the, the lullaby with their children. And we need to move away from this antiquated inhumane way of working and start to see individuals because you see part of what I see in workplaces is that when conflict happens we dehumanize each other it's Mm. the first thing people do they're 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 they deserve whatever treatment they get I'm like no that's somebody's wife somebody's mother that's somebody's son that's somebody's daughter let's let's look at that person who they are and what are the issues that are happening in their lives. Most of the people who are bullies and harassment, they're suffering. They're suffering in their personal lives. They may be suffering in a relationship. They may be suffering in some other aspect of their lives. So what we do is we get to assess how well they're doing. How well are they doing spiritually, socially, emotionally, occupationally, intellectually. Just get them through the garment. Take a look at your life. And where are you hurting? Where are you losing vital energy? Where are you leaking energy that we need to plug that hole so you can be energetic to Mm. deal with that problem and address life? People are being, life is managing so many people instead of them managing their life. And many people lack the skills and the capacity to do so. And that's why we built in the wellness competencies, because we people need somewhere to measure. We talk about well-being all the time, but there is there are no tools for people to actually measure a behaviorally what we're seeing and to be able to follow. And because I work in the corporate agenda, in the corporate arena, and we talk about competencies and we need to conversation it as part of performance evaluation this is where I sit and, and, um, and this is really what has um, influenced my work. Let me get back to the book here. We did point one, spirituality. We've gone off on a couple of tangents here. Very good uh, journey we've taken together for the last few minutes here on the spirituality. How, how would you sum up point two? The well, we do social wellness is the next dimension. And in social wellness, we actually identify responsible communication as the tool. So we're looking at, we were, I've been, I teach all the time. I'm always teaching adults and, and uh, I'm a, I'm a certified training and development practitioner and a coach. And, and I, I'm always doing corporate training. We've done so much effective communication for the same department, the same people. And before I, I remember when, uh, there was this client who came to see me and she was struggling and she was um, just having, she says, what are you going to do for me that nobody else has done? Um, I have taken all the courses, all the anger management courses, all the uh, self-development courses. And, ah, well, she's working in a unionized environment. You can't just fire people. And, um, and I chuckled. I said, oh, I'm not going to do anything for you. 
I'm looking to see what you can do for yourself because this must be tiring to take all these courses, be in all these places and not getting what you want. Obviously, you're not getting what you want. Hmm. How can you do that? And she looked at me and she said, oh, I never thought about it that way before. Hmm. And these clients would be coming to to these situations and into these conflict situations, and there was nothing for them to transform. There was no ability to transform their behavior, to measure, and to be able to see results and to say, you know, I moved. And, and it's it's so it's so invigorating to get that email or that phone call from the employee who said, I caught myself, I caught myself going out of alignment with my values and my and my competency, and I brought myself back. And so we, we focus on self-awareness, self-correction, and self-direction. It has to be a process for transformation. You shouldn't be going through the same thing in your life over and over again, beating mm-hmm. your relationships with your partners or with your children or family and friends or in your workplace. If you find yourself on that treadmill where you're facing the same challenges, then you need to look at a whole system of well-being and understanding the interpersonal wellness improvement system and looking at where you're leaking vital energy and be responsible in how you communicate to yourself and with others, because that's what we talk about in the social wellness. And then we go into emotional wellness and we look at self-mastery. Well, so we've a lot. We've is, been is that, a lot around. Is that the second? Is the the self mastery? Does that come in in the third point or still? That's the third point. Yes. But let me let me interject something. My my producer Ernie sent me a little note here, and it's a question that fits in well with both point two and three. We're coming to, and, and that is: Have you noticed a consistent psychological wellness symptom people have experienced through COVID that surprised you, or that you didn't expect? No, I've been doing this work too long. Yeah, so you saw what was coming to me. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't surprised. I think what, what we're seeing is a result of the choices we've made before COVID. And COVID was just, as I said, the great equalizer. It, it, it ripped the curtains apart and it showed us who we are. And a lot of us couldn't tolerate what we, who we were. What we saw. Yeah, because, oh you know. goodness. <laughs> I, I was working on this book about putting relationships ahead of career and uh, not from the point of view of making an either or choice, but priorities. And the thing that two, two points really struck me, one in, in the research I did over a six year project uh, with some friends of mine who, who teach at a, at a university level, who kept sending me more things to read every time I gave them a draft was that the basic view of evolution has changed in the last 30 years from the way it was sort of crudely stated before, which was the survival of the fittest. And now the phrase that is most often used is the survival of the friendliest, that cooperation is literally why we survive and caregiving uh, is why we survive, you know, which is what what, uh, my book is really about. So I think, and I'm asking you this because it, 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 it impacts directly what you do on the corporate level, I think a lot of our problems that you're talking about that were there and COVID simply ripped the Band-Aid off and said, okay, now look in the mirror. I look at it as a kind of a cosmic timeout. You've all been screwing around. Now go to your room and, and I'm not sending you to your room for 15 minutes. Go, live, go, go home and stay in your apartment for a year and just think about your, what you're doing with your life. And that's sort of what COVID did. So. Yeah. I talk about that a little bit in the, in the book, but in the course of your project, um, it would seem to me that you would be pointing out or discussing with people a big issue. And that is almost, I guess the way I put it, is how do you define success? And if you define success only in terms of your standing in a corporation or how much money you're making, you, you are never going to find much joy and happiness in your life. And there's a lot of studies about this. Absolutely. It depends on the interpersonal relationships and the altruism and the care that you give other people. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, let's say we let, just take this podcast you and me are doing here today. So I've got Auntie Joyce on and I'm, this is Frank Schaefer and you have a project and I have a project. You know, in, in a weird way, the most important thing that we're doing today here is not about 
your book or work or my book or work. It's the fact that here we are each extending caregiving to the other. I'm saying, hey, I have a podcast. I'm interested in what you want to do. I'm going to do what your mama would do for you. You've got a, a picture and I'm going to stick it up on the refrigerator and say, look what, uh, look what Joyce did. And you're giving me the time to ask questions I'm interested in. This is a form of caregiving. This is parenting each other. And it would seem to me that if you start seeing life that way, as in we are each other's caregivers, it's a completely different result than this idea of gaining power over other people for position and income and career title and so forth. Oh, have mercy. So, so I'm, ge- I'm, guessing, I'm guessing you and I are pretty much on the same page in terms of what we're talking about. Absolutely. Uh, you know, with all the, the push and we know with through COVID, there's been more awareness now around diversity and inclusion. And yeah. uh, we come at it from a completely different perspective. I say to organizations, look, have you looked outside your window? Hmm. It is global warming. Have you just looked at what we went through? There is, we as a species, we are, we need to come together and collaborate for Hmm. our survival of the species. There is only one race on the, on the planet. It's the human race. And we are, (laughs) we are about to be extinct if we continue to divide and separate and fight against each other. Yeah. One race, if you look at the DNA strand for every ancestry, people of all group, ancestral group, we have the same DNA strand. We are one race. And when we start to recognize that we are one and we need the same air to breathe, we need the same water to drink, we need the same sun to shine, we will start behaving differently. We will not have people dying of hunger while some people are living in such abundance they start to realize that we need one, the same thing to survive, the same DNA strand. And we need to start working differently because that same DNA strand is what our forefathers had. That's what they had 500 years ago. And what have we done with it in this this generation? We've added so much stress on it, more Mm -hmm. things, more technology, more work, more activity, more, let's let's just put on more in ourselves. And we are so busy, so stretched, so thin, so our, our immune system cannot uh, keep up to, and we eat, we eat rubbish. We really yes. eat, we eat scums. We eat the things that we shouldn't be eating. So we put so much stress in our bodies mm. that our, our immune system cannot protect us from things like cancer. Cancer was always there, but now we lack, our body doesn't have the tolerance to to withstand it and all these autoimmune diseases and all of these things. We have more chemical, we have more stuff. We just have more stuff. Hmm. And our, our body is busy, our mind, our, our, our mind is busy. We're, we're falling apart mentally because we are stretched and overwhelmed and we're trying to do so much. And we have such false narratives about what success is and who we are and hmm. who we're supposed to be. Well, we all are going six feet below. That's where we're going. And the time we have here is so short and precious. In the last six years, I've taken care of my aunt in a nursing home. I had her for in a nursing home for six years. She didn't have any children. I ended up being her caregiver, would take care of her through her last life. Then I ended up with my mom, uh, helped my husband and his and his family. With my oldest brother-in-law just passed away last year. Now my sister-in-law is going through. And you start to realize life is so short, so, so, so short. And the time we have here is so precious. And mm. we need to do something meaningful with it. We need to live in integrity with who we're meant to be and live in our purpose. So when that time comes, we're not lying in bed looking at all the regrets of the things we didn't do. Mm. We should do the things that we're called upon to do and live gently on this planet. And contribute to the well-being of others and leave something behind for the Mm. next generation Mm. (laughs) or eat it all (laughs) yeah here here you know which is which is you know uh, which is the long answer of why i've spent the last 13 years taking care of my three youngest grandchildren i have five the other two grew up overseas and you know and and 
I mean, the crazy thing in my life is running into people who think that's an odd thing to do. And I kind of look at them thinking, what? where do you where do you think you're living? What's the big important thing you're doing? I hope it's not about money and career because you're going to really be disappointed. And I get so much joy from that connection. Anyway, let's go to point four. Uh, we touched on three. Let's go to point four. Yeah, so three, three is actually about emotional wellness. And in emotional wellness, we move from uh, emotional intelligence and we're going right. to step further and we say self-mastery. Understanding who you are and understanding your emotions or experiences you're going to go through, not who you become. I don't become angry. I experience anger. I still have a responsibility to mm. process it and manifest it as it, as it should be responsibly. And then we go into engagement. That's occupational wellness. Hmm. People engage with meaningful work, with healthy work environments. People need that in order for them to thrive. And when we see the, the when we look at the system, if we start with integrity and spiritual wellness and we go from social uh, wellness and responsible communication, self-mastery and emotional wellness, we won't have as much struggle in, in the workplaces as we are doing now, when we start building from the building blocks yeah. and creating opportunities for employees to develop, then they're more engaged. They're more purposeful at work. They're more meaningful. It's quicker for them to identify, do, does my values align with these corporate values or am I in the wrong place? Hmm. It shouldn't take them 20 years to figure that out, except yeah. they're half sleeping through life. I shouldn't yeah. be meeting people at work who's been there for 20 years and telling me they hate their job. That should not be happening. Yeah. <laughs> like we fail them and we failed ourselves. We've just been wasting everybody's life. Yeah. How sad. Yeah. And so we should be looking more at the type of people who move into leadership and the, the, the integrity of the people in management and leadership and supervision, giving them the tools to become their best self. And mm. that takes us right into, into the fifth element, which is intellectual wellness. And that is capacity building. As we build the capacity of those individuals with good decision-making, good critical thinking skills, the ability, do you know how many organizations call me and say, oh, we want a training on accountability. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> you really don't. Yeah. You need to have a conversation with me about how your organization's structure can foster accountability. But I shouldn't be teaching your employees how to be accountable because it should be part of the system. Speaking of which, let me take a, no side brain, a, a little side issue that comes from this. I've been doing interviews with and listening, actually participating in seminars, not with me teaching or asking questions, but just listening mm -hmm. um, with a number of people in corporate, um, in the corporate community um, connected with the women's business collaborative, the WBC, um, which our friend Min uh, introduced, um, who introduced you to me, uh, on this whole idea of allyship within corporations of male allies. It doesn't have to be male allies, but people within the corporate realm really drawing to attention to the, the um, unfairness faced by a lot of women in corporate culture. It seems to me the larger issue is the one you're talking about, because that would, you would not need allies um, in terms of gender diversity and racial diversity if the things you're talking about were in place, these would be taking care of themselves because the mentality would be totally different. Can you just talk a little bit about allyship and, and gender parity, um, equal access to opportunity at various levels in corporate life in the light of what you're talking about here and how what you're doing impacts that uh, I would imagine pretty directly because if people are getting your message, that's happening. Absolutely. Because if you are in an organization and you are a person with, uh, you've developed, your corporation has allowed you to develop that self-esteem, that sense of purpose, you're going to want to mentor someone. Yes. You're going to want to make room for others. You're going to recognize that succession planning is essential and you have a part to play now. You know how many people are in work and they just go to work and come home and they don't, you ask them, so why are you here? Mm. What is the bigger picture? And they just look at you blank because they're, they've never had that conversation. So we're stimulating the kind of conversations that 
nobody talks about it. That's what I always say. I was like, when you come work with us, we will talk. We'll have conversations that your mother wouldn't have with you because yeah. these are the meaningful conversation that transforms our lives. And mm. that's what this model allows us to open up and do and give people that awareness that life is more than just the TV show you're looking at. There is so much more to your life and so much more you can do, so much more meaning and purpose. So that means that I can be an ally for someone. And when I see someone being discriminated against or being passed over or not having equal opportunity, I will be good enough in myself. I will have the self-assurance enough to say, you know what, I'm going to pass the mic. Mm. You take my spots. Or let me give you the spotlight for a minute because I think what you have to say is so important. Hmm. I think you need a voice. I think you need to take this training. Let me spend, do you have time that I can spend with you to mentor you on how to um, elevate your success, how to provide the deliverables necessary so you can be recognized for your skill set. You see, that comes from a person who is well. <laughs> But yeah. not from a person who is unwell. Yeah. Well, and nor, you know, or the kind of, or the kind of, you know, male figure in, in corporate life that so many women complain about who not only would interrupt that person in a meeting and not notice they're doing it much more than they would another male. But then when she comes up with an idea, uh, either pass over it or it's repeated five minutes later by one of their male colleagues male and all of a sudden they pay attention. I mean, these, these are devastating things that I, I think I agree with you. They, they show a level of unwellness of aside from the gender issue itself. Absolutely. Oh, you know what? Our males have been done an injustice in this society. As a male, you're not supposed to cry. You're not supposed to have a tender heart. You're not supposed to. We, we tell from a young boy, we tell them all this foolishness. So they grow up thinking that they are supposed to be some robot and, and not have feelings and not care for others and reach out and be a man about this. There's a, there's a whole connotation of what it means to be a man. You're supposed to be hard ass. And, and that is so yeah. silly because we want men to be gentle fathers. We want them to be uh, good husbands, supportive husbands. How are they going to learn those skills when all we teach them is to be the hard ass and to, and to be a man? That's counterintuitive that doesn't yeah, exactly. make sense they don't they don't want to lie <laughs> we have gotten through point 0.5 uh we don't have too much time left give me what i need what, what i'm missing here in terms of the the rest of the points up to nine we're five so we have six seven eight nine uh, that's pretty much of a a short space but what what should we take away as the most important thing in those last points well, one of the things to remember is that we go to interdependence because we look at environmental wellness. This is where we start looking at our society or diversity around us, our tolerance level, or ability to integrate social responsibility. And that fits into interdependence, that healthy environment uh, and that uh, ability for us to support each other and to hold each other up. And that's really where that whole allyship comes into um, so that's in that environmental wellness and, and creating those healthy work environments and, mm -hmm. and, and living environments for ourselves and our communities, because what we take work allows us to be able to go back and give to mm -hmm. our community. And that takes us right into financial wellness and innovation, because uh, in order for us to be financially well and financially viable, we need healthy people. If, if everybody is sick, that's why COVID shut us down. Because mm. if everybody is sick, we cannot have a, an innovative, healthy financial economy. Our economy took a downturn because we were all home covered up because we were worried. We was, they didn't want us to all get sick and die because we couldn't sustain ourselves as a society if we become all ill. Yes. So it's so important for us to recognize the, the interrelationship between healthy employees, a healthy population, and financial viability and success. It's mm. just part of it. We, why would we want to be healthy and sick, uh, wealthy and sick? We want to be healthy and, and, and financially um, yeah. successful. It doesn't yeah. make sense. And then we look at the next part, which is the physical wellness. And that goes with vibrancy, creating environments that, that, that pulls people to be vi vibrant, mm. to be active. And that takes looking at ourselves, our stamina, uh, or taking care of ourselves, are managing disease as well, making sure our organizations have the right structures in place to support our, our people. 
And then that takes us right into interpersonal. And that's my, that's where I sit. And this is where we, we this is where resilience leads. Because mm. all of us, in order for us to be resilient and pick ourselves up, it connects us back to mm. that relationship, that interpersonal, that dynamic, um, forgiving ourselves, forgiving the other person, resolving the conflict, moving, pa- moving past forward, bringing the team together. That's that's where resilience leads. It's let me let me ask you just uh, before we're done here. Um, we're going to put connections to you, you know, all the links and so forth up here. Uh, I just want to remind people that we have been, um, you know, today we've been in conversation with Joyce uh, Didison, who's president of and CEO of Interpersonal Wellness Services, Inc. We are going to have links to everything so you don't have to write anything down here. And Joyce has written many books. Her latest is Interpersonal Wellness System, uh, a nine-dimensional wellness approach. Now, let me just finish up here, Joyce, asking you, um, on, a, on a typical day, are you online coaching? Are you in-person at corporations with the people who are your corporate clients? What, what do you do for them? I don't mean the content because we've talked for an hour about the content, but just practically speaking, what do you do? So we actually support organizations. We oh, we are a training, coaching, and development company. So we do all organizational development. We look at an organizational system that wants to move to a more wellness, vibrant, whole person system. We help them to map out and we help them to audit what they already have. Because yes. many organizations have elements of this, but they don't they don't recognize the value of what they have and, ele- yeah. and elevate it so people can tap into it. So we help them to recognize, map out what they do with an audit. Uh, we also help them to provide training that fits into the various dimensions of wellness so employees can have access to that. And then activities that really develop the competencies. So align those competencies to activities and create uh, frameworks and standards and processes in their organization so they can actually have a healthy, well, truly whole person system based on what they're already doing. So we, we take a, a qualitative approach at what they're doing. And we also come from a place of, you know, valuing what they already have and say, okay, where are the gaps? How can we help you to create that whole person system? Because we're facing mass resignation and you can't even find people to work for you. And you need to keep those employees you already have. You mm-hmm. need to show them that you, you value their health and well-being because employees are not just looking for money right now. They're looking for organizations that see them as whole people. And so we're doing a lot of training, a lot of development. We're in, we're doing a facilitated discussions. We're actually doing, um, working with organ, um, leaders that are struggling with their departments um, to get things going and, and to really touch the people so that we can infuse that energy and help them to transform their workplaces. Have you found a good reception for your work? Do you have a good audience? Is this project of yours working or are you struggling or is it successful? I guess using the normal terms, how, how, where are you at right now? On all that? We're very busy. Yeah, you're very busy. <laughs> We're very busy. I also can't even find people to hire. A big part of what we do too is that we train others. So that's, I'm a legacy builder. That's part of my nature. So I train facilitators to take this work into organizations around the globe. Um, And we train coaches. So we have a coaching school as well. We train people how to coach using this framework and how to facilitate it in corporations and with individuals. Because this is is a whole person approach. You can work with individuals and you can work with systems as well. And so that's what we do. That's where I spend most of my time is um, really interpreting this and putting it into practical applications. So my, my students and my uh, my corporations can uh, use utilize it. Well, listen, I really appreciate it. Uh, so Joyce, uh, people who want to get in touch with you, can Ernie, when he puts this up online and all the other places, he's going to put uh, everything to click on to get to you. I want to remind everyone that you've been watching In Conversation with Frank Schaefer. Uh, my new book, Fall in Love, Have Children Stay Put, Save the Planet, Be Happy, is very apropos of this discussion. I, I don't, you know, you always bring it up, but in the context of trying to find a balanced life and a work-life balance and dynamic that leads to the whole person approach that Joyce is talking about, my project and yours fit together really, really well. 
which is, I think, one reason that a lot of women who have uh, work in corporate culture have kind of adopted my book and are helping it, um, including people like uh, Jose Zilstra, who runs uh, Gender Fair, which is this uh, service through a um, that you can download as an app to check out the the how any individual corporation you're going to do business with treats women and how they're rated by the women in those corporations. So I, I, you know, I would love to do this again sometime, Joyce, we, we need to talk about a kind of an interface between some of the, today we've been talking about everything that you're doing in your book and project, which by the way, I just love what we've been talking about. Um, I would like to talk to you some more about uh, an interface with the project that I've been writing about in this new book of mine, because for instance, I have a whole chapter on female leadership in the book where I'm trying to talk from the point of view of a male caregiver that is living a whole life that is denied to so many males because of just what you said, this strange training we give males about what it is to be a man. I, I would really like to see how that interfaces with you, what you're doing and trying to reform, I think, as well as uh, help um, corporate culture in a lot of ways, because our, our paths seem to be really uh, in, the, in the same direction on this. So maybe we can talk again if you'd be up Absolutely. for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Good. Well, anybody can get in touch with you. Um, they can. Please. Please. Yes. And we're going to put links so they don't even have to take that down. Uh, Joyce. Edison is the president and CEO of Interpersonal Wellness Services, Inc. We've been talking about her book. Please get in touch with her. Find out how you can become part of this. Um, and folks who are in, in the corporate world, this is obviously a service that is going to benefit you. So, uh, Joyce, It is a very busy time. Yes, people are time. more and more needing this work. And we're just trying to keep up. So thank you so much for having me. It was well, a wonderful conversation. I and a great discussion. And as I said, you know, Auntie Joyce is the is basically your next book is by Auntie Joyce and it'll be flying off the shelves. Absolutely. All right. Talk to you later. I can't wait. Take Thank care. you. Okay. Be well, Frank. See you. Bye-bye. Bye. In Conversation with Frank Schaefer is a production of the George Bailey Morality and Public Life Fellowship. It is produced by Ernie Gregg and hosted by Frank Schaefer, author of Fall in Love, Have Children, Stay Put, Save the Planet, Be Happy, a post-pandemic blueprint for rebalancing work and family in favor of love and living. To learn more and support the show, please visit lovechildrenplanet.com.